The following message entitled, The One Who Calms Our Fears, Part 13 of the series, I Am, the Book of John, was given by Mark Altrogi on the 29th of January, 2012, at Sovereign Grace Church of Indiana. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. Morning, everybody. Thanks for coming. If, uh, if I've not met you, my name's Mark. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks for coming this morning. Appreciate you joining us this morning. Well, please turn to the book of John, chapter 6. We've been doing a series on the book of John, and we are in chapter 6, and we will start at verse 16. This morning's message is called, I Am the One Who Calms Our Fears. So we'll begin at verse 16. When evening came, His disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But He said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take Him into the boat. And immediately... The boat was at the land to which they were going. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You that Your Word is spirit and life and truth. And we thank You that that Your Word reveals who You are to us. Lord, I pray that You would open the eyes of our hearts to see wonderful things in Your Word, that You would reveal Yourself to us, that we would see You this morning as greater than we see You now. That we, after, we, after we look at Your Word, we would just see You as even greater. Lord, I pray that this Word would build us up in our faith. I pray that this Word would strengthen the weary and lift up the downcast. I pray, Lord, that this Word would impart faith to those who have yet to believe in You and that people would be born again listening to Your Word. I pray that You would move upon people to trust You as they see something of of Your greatness in this, Lord. We just thank You that You are a God who reveals Yourself to us. We pray that you would do that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus calms our fears and works miracles in our lives. That's what this passage is is going to say to us this morning. That's what one of the the thrusts of this passage is that Jesus calms our fears and works miracles in our lives. And one of the things that the Bible promises is that every one of us will go through trials. Every one of us, every Christian 
will go through trials of various kinds. Most likely, we won't find ourselves in the middle of the sea, rowing furiously against wind and waves, but we may feel like that in certain situations that we are in. We may find ourselves in situations that seem out of control. Or we may find ourselves in situations where it just seems like, I'm not making any headway here. I'm just rowing against the wind. What's going to happen to my life? Many of you uh, would probably say, I've already been in situations like that. And you'll, you'll find yourselves in situations where you have no idea how you're going to get out of it. How are you going to make it to the other side of the lake? But this morning we'll see, we don't, know, we don't need to know how we're going to get through a situation. We just need to know the one who gets us through. That's, that's so good to know. And so the first thing we see in this passage is that Jesus is sovereign over all creation. Now, if you don't know what that means, when I say Jesus is sovereign over all, it means Jesus is in control of all things. Jesus controls all things. Jesus controls all things. And we need to know that. And if you know that, that will be a bedrock in your life that will get you through many, many trials. Jesus is sovereign over all things. There is not one molecule in the universe that is outside Jesus' control. Now this event that we read about this just a few minutes ago took place after Jesus had worked an incredible miracle, which we heard about last week. Jesus took five little barley loaves and two fish and miraculously multiplied them to feed this huge multitude by the Sea of Galilee. It said there were about 5,000 men, which if you then add women and children, there could have been 20,000 people that Jesus fed from these few little pieces of bread and fish. And He, he did this, He did this, and, and the disciples witnessed it, and this crowd witnessed it. They witnessed this awesome miracle, and the people were so amazed by it, that they were going to take Jesus by force and make Him king. And Jesus knew that. And so He essentially sends His disciples to cross the sea and Jesus goes away upon a mountain to pray. Now, this passage that we just read says that when evening came, His disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark. And Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. And I, was, I, was, I did a little research, and in 1986, they found the remains of a 2,000-year-old fishing boat on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. Wouldn't it be cool if that was the very boat that was in this story? We don't know that. But they found this boat, the remains of a boat, and it could hold 15 men. It was about 26 and a half feet long and seven and a half feet wide, four and a half feet high. So it's not a very big boat, almost 28 feet long. They believe it probably had a four and an aft deck and one central mast and a sail and positions 
for two sets of oars. So that would mean four, four guys rowing in this boat. So this is not a very big boat. So there's four guys rowing, there's twelve disciples in this boat. And they're out on the Sea of Galilee, which was known for sudden squalls coming on. And as they're out three or four miles, they are suddenly engulfed by this storm, by this rough wind blowing in the waves. The book of Matthew, talking about this situation, says they were beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And it's, it's completely dark out. There, there, there weren't lighthouses in those days. They, they were in the dark. Huge waves crashing against this little boat. Twelve guys huddled in it. Four guys rowing. They probably took the sail down so the wind wouldn't just blow them all, all over the place. They're not getting anywhere. They're at the mercy of the wind and the waves. But Jesus performs a miracle to demonstrate that He is sovereign over all things. And so verse 19 says, when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat. I, I wish we had video of this. I think we will get to see these things replayed in heaven. That's, that's one of my little beliefs I cling to. I have no scriptural support for that whatsoever. But I believe that uh, we're going to get to, to that somehow Jesus will show us these things. Just imagine this. It is, it's got to be so dark out. Their little boat is being battered. It's probably rising on the waves and plunging into the valleys between the waves. And suddenly, one of the disciples yells out in the wind, what, What's that? And they're straining their eyes in the darkness and they, they, they make out the outline of a person in the distance. Can, can you see that? What is that? looks like it's a person. It's not someone standing up in another boat. It's someone walking on the water. And He's coming toward them. It's Jesus and He's coming to the boat. They are witnessing another miracle. How many, how many miracles the disciples saw? Just the day before, they saw these loaves and fishes multiply to feed 20,000 people. Now, now they're seeing someone walking on Water. This is a miracle. There's no other explanation for it. They are three to four miles out to sea. They're not near the shore. They weren't just, you know, there wasn't somebody walking on the shore and they see somebody walking on the shore and so they mistake that for someone walking on the water. He is walking and he is coming closer and closer to the boat. There's no other explanation for it except a miracle. Why, why did Jesus do this? Why did He wait till they got out in the middle of the, of, of the sea? And then why, why didn't He just get in the boat with them initially and ride across with them? Because He had a clear purpose to show them that He was sovereign over all things. And He, he did that to show us that He is sovereign over all things. He was giving clear proof that Jesus is God. No other, no other religious figure in history 
is known for walking on water except Peter when he got out of the boat and walked for a few minutes at Jesus' command in the book of Matthew. You don't read this about anyone else. This is a phenomenal miracle. He's giving clear proof that He is God. He is sovereign over the sea. He is sovereign over the rules of physics, the, the laws of physics. God is not subject to the laws of physics. The laws of physics are subject to God. Jesus walks on water. This, this goes against the laws of nature and the laws of gravity, but Jesus is not subject to the laws of nature and gravity. He, he created them. He can do what He wants with His creation. And so in Hebrews 1 verse, verse 3 it says, He, and it's talking about Jesus, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. Jesus upholds everything in the universe with a word. He says, let it be. Jesus right now is, is keeping your heart beating, your lungs breathing. Jesus right now is upholding these chairs that you're sitting on in this building. It's, it's because of the Word of Jesus Christ that this building doesn't just decompose and fly apart. It is Jesus who upholds everything, all the laws of physics, everything in the universe, every insect, every bird, every animal, every building in the world, the galaxies, every, every star, all upheld. By the Word of Jesus. He is sovereign over it all. Psalm 29.10 says, and this is, this John could have been thinking of this as he wrote it. Psalm 29.10 says, The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as King forever. That means He rules. Jesus rules over the flood. Jesus rules over the wind and the waves. And the Apostle John, who wrote the book of John, witnessed this event with his own eyes and recorded it for us so that we would know Jesus is the Son of God. He is God the Son who created the universe. And He is in control of every circumstance. He controls the wind and the waves. And He controls the circumstances of our lives. He is sovereign over those circumstances. He is in control he is above them. He sits enthroned over the flood. He sits enthroned over the circumstances of our lives. Do you feel like you are in a swirling storm? Some of you may say, that's exactly the way my life feels right now. I feel like I'm... Uh, I'm it's a good metaphor for where I am. I feel like I'm rowing against the waves... Rowing in vain, I'm getting nowhere. Well, you need to know this. Jesus is in control of your circumstances. He is Lord over your circumstances. He can come walking to you in the middle of the wind and the waves. He is not restricted by natural circumstances. If you had interviewed the disciples in the boat before they saw Jesus and, they, and you would have said to them, how is Jesus going to get here? 
They, they would have said, I don't know. I mean, he, what, what, what could he do? Try to get in another boat and row here himself? I mean, they would have been restricted to the natural circumstances. Jesus is not restricted to circumstances. Jesus doesn't look at the wind and the waves and say, oh, wow, that's just too hard. These circumstances are too hard for me to do anything with. Jesus is not restricted to your, your paycheck or your company or your job. Jesus is not restricted to our country's economy. Jesus is not restricted to any kind of circumstances in your life. Isn't that good to know? He can walk right over them. He, he, Jesus isn't trying to figure out how He's going to help you. Jesus isn't going to say, Man, what am I going to do? Their boss won't give them a raise. And we know that. But yet, when we're in the middle of the, of the circumstances, we can forget it at times. Well, the presence of Jesus calms our fears. He's not restricted by anything that's going on in our lives. And so, the disciples were fearful. It says that they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. Now see, we've read this story, most of us, or many of us have read this many, many times, and so we just read, oh, Jesus walked on the water. The disciples were frightened. And we, we don't get the impact of it unless we stop and think about this for a minute. These guys had never read this. <laughs> this was happening live. They had no category for it. They are out in the dark in the wind, in the waves. And they think it's... In the book of Matthew, Matthew 14.26 says that when the disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost! It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. John doesn't mention this fact that they say it's a ghost, but John, John's highlighting the fact that they're frightened. These guys are terrified. They're like, ah, what is that? And, and Jesus comes to them, and in verse 20 it says, But He said to them, It is I! Do not be afraid! Then they were glad to take Him into the boat. Oh, I'm so glad it's you! Oh, get in here! I'm so glad it's not a ghost! They were glad the presence of Jesus calmed their fears. Jesus says, don't be afraid, it's me. It's me. And they're glad. Now there was a time in my life when I feared God's punishment. I knew that some of the things I was doing were, were sinful and they were wrong. And I, I was raised Roman Catholic and I got to a place in my life where I was, I was so regularly fearful of being punished for my sins, I was going to confession every single week. I feared going to hell. As I was drifting off to sleep at night, drunk, usually, I would try to pray the act of contrition, the Catholic prayer. Oh my God, I'm heartily sorry for having offended Thee. And I would be saying that because I was afraid if I died in my sleep, I would go to hell. But when Jesus 
invaded my life and saved me, His presence brought me peace. I was no longer fearful of God's wrath like we sang about this morning. I was no longer afraid I might go to hell because the presence of Jesus brings peace into our lives. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's no peace with God except through Jesus Christ. Because it says we have been justified by faith. That means that when we place our faith in what Jesus did on the cross, God applies what Jesus did when Jesus paid for our sin. He applies it to us and God says, I declare you to be just or justified in My sight. I see you as not guilty. I see you as having the righteousness of Jesus Christ and I count that to you. And because I see you as having the righteousness of Christ and because I count you to be justified by Jesus, there's no wrath. Now you're at peace with me. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation Because Jesus was condemned on the cross for everyone who would turn to Him in faith and repentance. And so, the presence of Jesus in our lives when we receive Him removes the fear of condemnation. And the presence of Jesus removes all our fears in life. We can be fearful that we won't have enough money. We can be fearful that we won't be able to get a job. We can be fearful for our children. We can be tempted to fear when we experience health problems. Or a family member experiences health problems. We can fear. We can fear loneliness. There's so many things we can fear. And when we're tempted to fear, we should turn to Jesus because the presence of Jesus removes that's why it says in Psalm 16 verse 8 through 11 I have set the Lord before me I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand I shall not be shaken therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices my flesh also dwells secure Doesn't that sound like someone who is not battling fear? I'm not going to be shaken. My heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. My flesh dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, place of darkness, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. Now listen to this. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. In your presence, 
the presence of Jesus casts out fear. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. When the disciples brought Jesus into the boat, they were glad to receive Him. They were no longer fearful. They were no longer terrified. We need to set the Lord before us in prayer. He is at my right hand. He's already come to us. I shall not be shaken. What do we need most in trials? If I, if I were to say, what do you need most right now? Some of you might say, I, I need money. <laughs> I need help. I need to get out of here. I need whatever. You know what you need most in your trial? The presence of Jesus. That's, a, that's what I need most. Because Jesus is sovereign over our circumstances. And He comes walking to us through the waves and the wind to put our hearts at rest. He wants to bring you peace. You don't have to know all the answers. All you have to know is the One who knows all the answers. Is that right? We don't have to know how we're going to get out of it. We don't, know how, we don't have to know how we're going to figure this out. Isn't that the temptation when we're in a, in a trial is to try to figure out how we're going to get out of it? Now, now God has no problem with us planning. God, is, God has designed us to, to look ahead. God is not, it's not a sin to be concerned for the future. But Jesus says, don't be anxious about it. Because we, what makes us anxious is when we can't figure out how it's all going to work out. We, we try to figure it all out. We say, well, let's see, I could do this, I could do that, and then if I sold this, and oh, <laughs> I could get a second job maybe, and oh, oh, what if I do this? And We don't have to know all the answers. We just have to know the One who knows all the answers. And we just need His presence to bring us peace. I love Isaiah 43, verse 2. It says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Now, did you notice what this says? It doesn't say, if you pass through the waters, I will be with you. It says, when, when you pass through the waters. Every single one of us, like I said earlier, will pass through waters of trials and affliction at some times in our lives, at various times, in various ways. Some deep, some not so deep. But we will. And Jesus says, if you have Me in your life, you don't need to worry when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. What a great promise. What a great promise. And so, if you're going through something right now and you know Jesus Christ, He has promised He will never leave you nor forsake you. If you're going through the waters right now, Jesus is saying, I'm with you. That the psalm, Psalm 23 that we read this morning says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Ah, 
I'm so grateful to the Lord that He has promised to be with us. See, sometimes sometimes we, we tend to interpret trials as we think, well, maybe God has abandoned me. No, God says we're going to have trials. He says, I'll, I'm going to be with you in them though. And so we, we don't want to start thinking, wow, why did this happen? Why did God let this happen? What have I done? Is God punishing me? I mean, our minds can go in all kinds of directions. Well, maybe God is punishing me for something. No, you're going through the waters and Jesus is with you. Turn to Jesus. Call upon Him. He is with you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. When it's my turn to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, how will I make it? When my life is over and it's time for me to die, how will I get through? You are with me. You are with me. My mom, many of you knew my mom. My mom died about uh, ten years ago. She had Alzheimer's the last seven years of her life. And my mom would always say, when she was first getting Alzheimer's, she would say, two things I don't want to forget. I don't want to forget Jesus, and I don't want to forget you guys. And I would say, Mom... Even if you do forget Jesus, He will never forget you. And even if you forget us, we will never forget you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? The Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, threw them into a fire to be burned. He, he had the fire heated up. Many times it's normal heat. He was so furious. The fire was so hot that the guards who took them up to throw them in, they died, they perished in the fire. And yet, these three guys fall into the fiery furnace. And, and uh, it says in Daniel chapter 3, verse 23, And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. <laughs> he answered and said, But I see four men. I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they're not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. When you pass through the, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the fire, you will not be burned. Jesus, the presence of Jesus, the presence of Jesus brings us peace and calms our and if you don't know Jesus today, I, I, I want to appeal to you. He, he offers Himself to you. He's, he's throwing it all out to you. He's, he's saying, come to Me, all who are weary and, and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. 
He's saying, come to me. I'll, I'll give you salvation free as a free gift. You don't have to earn your way to me. You don't have to be good enough to come to me. Because you can't be good enough to come to me. I'm just offering you myself. Come to me and receive the free gift of life and salvation and joy and peace in Jesus Christ. Verse 21 shows us that Jesus works miracles in our lives as well. Verse 21 says, Then they were glad to take Him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Now, the shortest distance from where they had taken off across the Sea of Galilee to Capernaum was five to six miles. And our passage says they had rowed about three to four miles. They're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And John includes this verse purposely to to tell us something. And as soon as Jesus gets into the boat, immediately they are at the land to which they were going. John records yet another miracle. These disciples saw so many miracles, they probably couldn't even keep track of them. They're probably saying to each other, well, how many do we see today? This they're safely on to the other side immediately. This is a miracle that happens. It says it echoes, and I think that commentators say that that John was was thinking, or at least purposely echoing Psalm 107, which says, "Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble." He's writing about people on the sea, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet and He brought them to their desired haven. And that's what God did for the disciples. As soon as He got into the boat, what they couldn't do for themselves, what, what they couldn't accomplish as they were rowing and rowing and rowing and rowing when they couldn't make any headway, as soon as Jesus entered the situation, He did it for them. Can you imagine the disciples' surprise? <laughs> They're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus gets in the boat. The second He gets in the boat, they're at the shore. Can you, can you imagine what the, their surprise? I can see them looking around saying, wait a minute! Wait a minute! We were in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Wait a second, how'd that happen? One minute we're in the middle of the lake, next minute we're here. One minute we're rowing and rowing, getting nowhere. As soon as Jesus gets into the boat, we're here. How did that happen? It's a miracle. Just another miracle. Just another miracle. Jesus, Jesus works miracles in our lives. Before I became Christian, before Jesus saved me and rescued me, I couldn't change myself. I could not stop sinning. I was a slave to sin. I suffered from the guilt of my sin. I suffered emotionally because of my sin. I suffered physically from my sin. But I couldn't stop sinning. So many days, I I would just wake up sick and I'd say, oh, I'm never doing that again. And by this by 10 o'clock that night, I'd be doing it again. It was like that country song that I heard once called, I'm sick and tired of waking up sick and tired. But I couldn't stop. 
I couldn't stop. But when Jesus came into my life, when Jesus apprehended me, He began to work miracles in my life. And Jesus changed me. And Jesus gave me strength that I never had before to to resist sin. And God gave me a hatred for sin that I never had before. God gave me self-control I never had before. God began to change me into the likeness of Jesus little by little, day after day. When we receive Jesus into our lives, He works miracles in us. We may try and try and try and try on our own, but we can never change ourselves. But Jesus can. Jesus works miracles in our lives. We're, we're rowing and rowing and getting nowhere. Jesus gets into the boat and suddenly things begin to change right away. When I first became a Christian, I battled severe anxiety. Every day, as soon as I woke up, my stomach would tighten like a knot. And I can remember praying and praying, asking Jesus to take away my anxiety. I can remember driving in my car one day and I was, I was crying. I had tears in my eyes and I said, Jesus, you said, I read in your word, I give you peace, not as the world gives. So please give me your peace and I'm just thanking you in advance that you're going to give me peace. And for a while I battled it, but then one day, one day I noticed my anxiety was gone. I had peace in my heart. And it wasn't because I just did something so great that I brought myself into peace. It was just Jesus worked a miracle in my life. I don't even know how it happened. It's not like I got a self-help book, How to Have Peace. Let's see. Do this, do A, B, C, D, and you'll have peace. No, it was the presence of Jesus in my life that brought me peace. Jesus wants to work miracles in our lives. Call upon Him. Call upon Jesus. His presence will take away your fear. Someday, someday we're going to be on the other side of this life. All of us will be. Someday, all of us who have called on Jesus will be in heaven and we'll tell stories of how we were floundering in the wind and the waves and Jesus came walking across the chaos in our lives and how His presence took away our fears and how He worked miracles in our lives and He did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. That, that's going to be a, a, just a great part of heaven. And we'll all be in awe of Jesus and how He brought us all to heaven. And so Jesus has demonstrated He is sovereign over the circumstances in our lives. He is in control. Has that made a difference in your life? As, as your pastor, as one of your pastors, uh, we, we so care about you. We want you to be doing well in your souls. We want every, every member of our church to be able to say, it is well with my soul. 
And one of the keys to being able to say it is well with my soul is knowing that when the sea billows roll, as we sing in that song, we can say it is well with my soul because Jesus is in control of all the circumstances in our lives. If if you've not trusted in Jesus, please do that. You will not regret it. Whatever it is you fear, some of you today, you've been tempted to fear something. Maybe, Maybe I won't make it. Maybe I won't get a job. Whatever it is you're tempted to fear, Let's let God's Word, let's do what God's Word is instructing us to do. Let's, let's say, Jesus, I need Your presence. Come into my life, Jesus, and bring Your peace to me. I don't need to know all the details of how You're going to get me through this. All I need to know is the One who knows. And Jesus will get us to where we need to be. He will get us to the other side. He will get us to our desired haven. He works miracles in our lives. We we should ask Him to do those miracles. We should ask Him to change us. We should ask Him to make us like Jesus. We should ask Him for His help. We should ask Him for strength. We should ask Him for peace. We should ask Him to help us get through. Because he's, he's waiting to. He's waiting to. And He wants to show His power to, to every one of us. So let's stand and let's, let's have the band come up. Let's pray together as they're coming up. Lord Jesus, thank You for what You've shown us in Your Word, that You are sovereign over all creation, that Your presence takes away our fears, that You're a God who works miracles. Lord, I just pray that Your Word, Your Word, which is spirit and life, Your Word would impart faith to us. Lord, we now turn to You and we pray for all those in our church who are suffering or struggling in any way. Would You please, Jesus, make Your presence known to them? Would You, would you make Your presence known to all of us? Lord, this week, would You make Your presence known to us? And we thank You, Lord. We're not asking you to do something you don't want to do. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You love us so much. Amen.